0: Dear family and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ who brings God's word of love and forgiveness straight from heaven to you this day on the very front doorstep of your life. Amen. In the gospel text for today, Jesus has now entered into the eye of the storm. It was the beginning of an unholy holy week that would end with his crucifixion. And from our gospel reading today in chapter 21, and then as you make your way to the beginning of chapter 24, Jesus is in one place. He's in the temple, the epicenter of religious Authority and orthodox ritual. But it's now being put dead to rights by Jesus' teaching and claims of authority just the day prior. Out of Jesus' very touch, the blind and the lame are healed. And out of his relation to God the Father, Jesus literally as you recall, churned the tables in the temple on what had become a legalistic, commercialized religion. Quoting the prophets, Jesus declared that the temple no longer served as God's house of prayer and worship, but now had rather become a place of human marketing, a den of thieves, Jesus calls it, So now, Jesus is confronted by the chief priests and the elders, asking him there in verse 23, by what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Note in just one sentence, this word occurs twice. Authority. To a large degree, deep inside, the question of the chief priests and elders is ours as well. It's a question of all humanity at bottom, especially in our age marked by increasing ambiguity and plurality, with its postmodern claims that there really isn't any final authority. For example, consider all the conflicting, contradictory claims in our time regarding the coronavirus. So is truth or authority simply relative to your perspective. Whatever. And thus, many of us have settled into a spirit of complacency or indifference with repressed anger and everyday sayings like, yeah, it is what it is. And yet there's a deep longing in the human spirit for ultimate authority, what we can finally trust, to be in touch with, to know who or what we can finally trust. My friends, each of us confronts the world with all of its possibilities of gain and loss, risk, anxiety, attend our every move. Therefore, the crucial question facing all of us in every moment is this matter of trust, of what is final authority. Who or what can we finally trust? What is the foundation for hope in the midst of a world that's so often tipped upside down on us? It's this question that gives all of life its religious dimension. For in the face of such risk and insecurity, we place our trust here and now there, authority here and now there, materialism, nationalism, popularity polls, political parties that promise to save the day. And yet again and again, we discover our trust betrayed by such false bravado of the many authorities in our life. Like so many Humpty Dumpties, that take a great fall. As the American author Kurt Vonnegut critically observes in his little book, Slaughterhouse Five, he writes, like so many Americans, we try to construct a life that makes sense from things that we find in shopping malls. So, is there anything, anyone, finally trustworthy from which we can be given a rock steady foundation of hope that lasts? Hold on to this question. Now, what becomes increasingly clear to us as we study our gospel text for today is how subtle is this seemingly simple dialogue of Jesus with the elders and then this little parable. Think with me here. Have you ever noticed how when authority is given to us we quickly forget that it was given to us. It's not ours to begin with. We get the smug sense of, okay, I'm in control here, forgetting to really share or use this gift of authority for some greater good. Why? Well, because we're so caught up in how to use it as a means for our own ends. The Bible calls this sin. Sin. Pride, egoism, is sin in its quintessential form. You see, since the time of Moses, the chief priests and elders had been given authority to serve as custodians of God's Word and to share it, to bless people with it. But over time, they too held back Clutching and twisting God's word to their own ends, even seeking to make God's presence accessible only to the high priest, where they drew curtains around what was called the Holy of Holies in the temple. And remember at Jesus' death what happened to this curtain? It was torn from the very top to the bottom, so that all could see. And so Jesus' critique of this smug, exclusivistic spirit sets the chief priests and elders on edge in our gospel text. And how perfect is a lead-in for this setting in the temple than to go back just a few chapters, or one chapter earlier to chapter 20, And listen to this zinger of Jesus. He says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so for you as my disciples. For whoever would be great among you must be least of all with a servant's heart. In essence, the question of the chief priests and elders, by whose authority? Jesus is saying by the one who gave you life and breath that you can even stand here and ask the question. You see, one thing that really rubs us raw is when someone speaks or points to an authority that's greater than ourselves, and we're no longer out of control, and that's what we're so... uh, experiencing that's exacerbated in our time, just feeling so out of control with the COVID-19. Now any of you who've been children or have children know this. The question inevitably comes up, this question of authority at the dinner table, when there are constraints or matters of family chores and then someone says, oh yeah, who says, right? And you'd better have an answer, you'd better have an answer. But like the chief priests and elders of Jesus' time, we've lost touch with an answer. You heard them, we don't know. Unless you think, it is what it is, is the answer. Once upon a time, families were based on godly biblical principles. And children saw that even mom and dad were subject to a higher authority. But through the years, these same children grew up and had kids of their own. And they said to their kids, you know you should do what I tell you. And you should be good because that's the way I was raised. Now, did you hear what was happening here? They've lost their sense of of moorings their foundation for any sense of authority. They're just appealing to this generation past and past and past. Nothing that's absolute that stands firm such as God's Word and Scripture. Well then again, their kids grow up and say, son, daughter, you should do what I tell you. And the kids say, oh yeah? Who says? Well, er... I say so, and you have to do what I tell you. And the kids say, Well, that's your truth. That's not my reality. And here we are, just shot through with all kinds of relativism. So, how do we get back to an ability to say, My son, my daughter, God has placed me in authority to watch over and protect you, to raise you according to God's standards? of moral behavior and listen. The chain of moral authority doesn't stop here. I have to answer to God as well for how I raise you. So the ultimate authority in the universe, God has passed it down to me. God's ways. God's guiding principles. And I have the responsibility to pass them down to you because you and I are both accountable. To God. Now, help me with the dishes. Hmm? To conclude, Jesus' closing parable of the yes and no brothers. What is Jesus connecting authority here? He's connecting authority with obedience. So think carefully. Which of the two sons in the parable is really obedient to the father's calling to go about his work in the vineyard? Which of the two sons? To the nth degree, neither one. This parable is more about God than humanity. It's a parable of what God has done for us and all people from top to bottom, like the tearing of the curtain in the temple, it's about the Son of God, Jesus, the author of this parable, the only one who's perfectly obedient to the Father's will, even to death on a cross. And so lest we get caught up in the legalism of work righteousness once more of, well, it's not really what you say, but what you do. That's the first son or it's not really what you do, but it's really the intent, the intentionality of what you say. That's the second son. But the real focus is on Jesus, the Son of God in whom all authority resides in heaven and on earth. Yes, the one who's already forgiven you, already reconciled you, already raised you from the dead by his promise at your baptism as with little andrew this day and always who claims and loves you always that is jesus jesus himself the only son of god who in your hearing right now makes you god's beloved by having done and continues god's will the father's will god's word in christ is that which has final authority Here's where we're called anew this day to place our gaze of faith and trust in Christ, his cross, his resurrection. Listen once more to St. Paul's witness in our second lesson. Have this mind, this authority among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, Being born in the likeness of humanity and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became, here it is, obedient even unto death, even on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name, the authority that is above every other name to the glory of God the Father. Amen.